Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, says this, Honor Yahweh with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Proverbs 22, verse 9 says, A generous person will be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Those are just some opening texts that I'm going to use to kind of catapult us into this lesson today. I think it was back in 2003 that I preached a series of messages on tithes, offerings, and charitable gifts. And that's been almost 13 years ago. That's hard to even believe when I think about it. But I've gained a lot in my understanding of Scripture and also how to present Scripture in sermon form. So I feel inclined to go back and to revisit some of my past teachings and refresh myself and my understanding and also to put these teachings back into the minds in our congregation. Everybody that sits here today didn't sit here 13 years ago. And so this might be the first time you've heard some of these things. But if it's not, it's okay to be reminded of what the Scriptures teach. I believe, like Apostle Peter said, stirring up your minds by way of reminder. And so thus it will do nothing but good for us to look and to relook at the doctrine of giving in the Bible. Now, I would say that monetary giving and tithing is probably one of the most talked about subjects by preachers today. And I would also say that at the same time, it's probably one of the least studied subjects by preachers today. Most talked about and least studied. Now that's not a good combination. And I think that if you're going to preach on something a lot or bring up something a lot, that you need to be studied on it a lot. So most talked about and least studied, that's not compatible. If it's the most talked about, it should be one of the most studied. I had a friend of mine, actually a Pentecostal friend, whom I love, tell me the other day that if somebody is a preacher, reading and studying is in his job description. And I like that. I like that a lot. If somebody is going to be a preacher or a teacher then reading and studying isn't something that they just do the day that they're going to preach and just open up and try to put something together haphazardly. It is a daily thing. It should be a daily thing for all of us. The Bereans study the Scriptures not just on Sabbath, but every day. They examine the Scriptures daily. How much more so the pastor teacher in the congregation, the elder that brings forth the teachings of Holy Scripture, And it's my responsibility as a pastor teacher here to study diligently and bring you the bread from the Word each week and each month so that we can be spiritually fed and then you can go home and examine what I have taught by the Holy Scriptures. And so we're going to begin to do this today. I don't know how many parts this sermon will have. There's a lot to cover. But we're just going to begin today by looking at one thing. We're going to look at the example that Yeshua left us about biblical giving. How did our Savior, the Son of Yahweh, how did He support or fund His ministry? How was He funded, if at all? It seems that He is the prime example. And if there ever was a righteous ministry to support financially, then it would be His. Amen? If there ever was, it would be His. 
And so I believe that we can learn much by looking at the text and Scripture that speak to His ministry, and so that's what we're going to do in this lesson. How did Yeshua fund His ministry? If we find out how He did it, it's a good example of how we ought to do it today. We'll begin in Matthew 18, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 20. It says this, When Yeshua saw large crowds around Him, He gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. A scribe approached Him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Yeshua told him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. Now here's the greatest preacher to ever walk the face of the earth. And he lives nowhere fancy. He has no mansion. He has no cabin. As a matter of fact, he lives nowhere. He lives nowhere. He says that the foxes and birds have more of a home than he. And he explains this to this scribe, that life following him as a rabbi, an itinerant rabbi, a teacher that traveled and taught in different locations, life following him is not a glamorous Life. It's definitely not your best life now, as one preacher says. It is rewarding, though, to follow the Master personally, but not materially rewarding necessarily. But the reward is spiritual. The reward is spiritual. A fox has more of a home than Yeshua, and so does a bird. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So in comparison to the foxes and the birds, we know that Yeshua meant here that he had no home. Now, he obviously could have laid his head down in the woods or on the side of the road or, as we're going to see, in the homes of other people. So the phrase, no place to lay his head, doesn't mean that he couldn't sleep anywhere. It's a figure of speech that means he had no home of his own. Now, I bring up this text so that right here from the beginning, we see a ministry that is different from many ministries today where preachers build up big edifices from the sermons they preach and the books that they sell, rather than seeking to make a profit off of other people, Yeshua was not after people's possessions. He was genuinely after their soul in a good way. The Apostle Paul said, we'll get to in a later sermon, he said in one of his epistles, I'm not after yours, but you. In other words, he's not after what's in your wallet or what material things you have but He's after you in a good way. He's after your soul. He wants to see you saved. Whenever I think about Paul saying, I'm not after yours but you, I can't help but think about a lot of televangelists that you see on TV today. They're after yours and not you. (laughs) The exact opposite of what Paul said. They're after your money and not really caring about your soul. So long as you sow this quote-unquote seed into their ministry. So we see something different here from Yeshua, a simple man, homeless man here. Luke 6, verse 1 is our next verse. It says, On a Sabbath, on the second first Sabbath, he passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating them. Now, most of the time when this passage is read, and it has parallels in Matthew and in Mark, we center in on the meaning of Sabbath or the dispute with the Pharisees, but I want to look at it through another lens today, put another camera lens on this text of Scripture. This is how Yeshua and His disciples sometimes nourished themselves. Look at it through that lens. 
they went out and picked heads of grain, rubbed them in their hands, and ate them. Now, some ministers today would think it was too low to do that. Surely the pastor or elder or minister shouldn't have to pick his own food. That's not the work of a preacher. That's too lowly for the quote-unquote man of God. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. The preacher doesn't have to have someone else pick his food for him. Yeshua, the greatest preacher to ever live, and his disciples went out and picked their own food. Obviously, Yeshua and his disciples supplied food for their hunger, not by waiting on someone else to feed them, but going out and finding food from their neighbor's garden, which was permissible in the Torah, so long as they didn't take buckets or vessels to gather it in. I don't have this verse on the screen, but you can parallel Luke 6.1 with Deuteronomy 23, verses 24 through 25, which says this, When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat as many grapes as you want until you are full, but you must not put any in your container. When you enter your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck heads of grain with your hand, but you must not put a sickle to your neighbor's grain. So what Yeshua and his disciples were doing was lawful, but notice that they were going out and fending for themselves not sitting down and waiting for somebody else to take care of them, even though they were true ministers. The next passage is Luke 8, 1 through 3. It says, Soon afterward he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of Yahweh. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. I taught on this passage a few weeks ago when we were covering Luke 8, 1 through 3. Center in on that, who were supporting them from their possessions. We had people, specifically here in this text, we had women who were supporting Yeshua and his disciples from their possessions. Mark 15, 40 through 41 is a parallel to this. You can make notes if you do in your Bible and parallel these two, where it says, There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they would follow him and help him. Many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem. Now, Luke 8, 1 through 3 is when he was in Galilee. Remember later on, remember when they sailed from northern Galilee across the Sea of Galilee to the area of the Gerasenes. I talked about that in the last sermon. Well, Luke 8 is in Galilee. Mark 15 says that when he was in Galilee, referring back to Luke 8, they would follow him, these women would follow him, and they would help him. Now, in these two related passages, we find that Yeshua did not turn away material support for his ministry. Now, I have looked in the Bible, and I cannot find anywhere where Yeshua asked anybody for financial support. I can't find a single verse where he asked, much less begged over and over and over, anyone for his financial support. I can't find anywhere he even asked for it. Like many televangelists and radio evangelists do today, begging for people's money even little widows or people who can't afford to pay their light bill, so forth and so on, and it's, it's really theft. It's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. 
He did take support when others offered it, as we see in these two texts, but never do we see him asking for it. Luke 8.3 tells us that these women were supporting Yeshua and his disciples from their possessions, and this ties in and is parallel with Mark 15.41, where it says that these women, when he was in Galilee, remember Luke 8.3 was in Galilee, they would follow him and they would help him. Center in on that word help. They would help him. That word help is from the Greek word diakoneo. It is where we get our English word deacon. Now the word diakoneo has different uses in the Greek language. This passage is not saying that these women were deacons in the church. Diakoneo means to serve or to help. And so these women would serve him. They would minister to him and the disciples in that way. The word diakoneo is primarily defined by Thayer's Greek lexicon as, quote, to be a servant, attendant, domestic, to serve, to wait upon, end of quote. This is the same word used in Matthew chapter 8, verse 15, where Yeshua healed Peter's mother-in-law of her fever. Remember that? He, healed, he laid his hands on her. He healed Peter's mother-in-law of her fever. And then Peter's mother-in-law got up from her sickbed and the Bible said that she ministered to Yeshua. That word ministered is diakoneo. She served him. When these women supported Yeshua and his disciples from their possessions, it probably had a lot to do with food, shelter, maybe clothing. Maybe they would make... Yeshua, a tunic to wear, or they would supply him food, they would cook for him, or they would make sure that him and his disciples had a place to stay when he was in Galilee. And they may have even provided monetary needs, which at that time would have been pieces of silver or a, a denarii, denarius, which was the Roman coin. I think we'll read about that here in a second. So Yeshua did receive material support when it was given to him, but he didn't go around asking for it, much less begging for it. We do know that Yeshua and his disciples did have something called a money bag or a money purse. Look at this passage in John 12, 1-7. It says, Six days before the Passover, Yeshua came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Yeshua had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Notice they fed him. Martha was serving him, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, anointed Yeshua's feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Verse 4 through 6, through six is what I want to center in on. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of it, excuse me, and would steal part of what was put in it. Yeshua answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial, for you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now, before we comment on that, look at the next verse in John 13, 27 through 29. It says, After Judas, this is a different account, After Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. 
Therefore Yeshua told him, What you are doing, do quickly. None of those reclining at the table knew why he told them this. You remember, this is the Last Supper, the night that Yeshua was betrayed. Verse 29, Since Judas kept the money bag, some thought that Yeshua was telling him, Buy what we need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. Now, that's not what Yeshua told Judas. He said, what you do, do quickly, because he already knew Judas was going to betray him. The scriptures had to be fulfilled. But the disciples, only other disciples, they heard a whisper. And they thought, well, maybe he's telling Judas to buy something for the feast. Remember, it's Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread time in this text. Or maybe he's saying, let's help out the poor. Okay? So there's a lot in these two texts, John 12, 1 through 7, and 13, 27 through 29. But I want to point out a little bit about this money bag. First of all, we learn here that Judas was in charge of the money bag. This shows it was a bag that was common to all of them, common to all of them, Yeshua and all of the disciples, but with one man in charge of it. And we might think, well, he had the wrong man in charge of it, didn't he? But we don't want to question the master. There's always a reason. Don't think that the master did not know what was going on. Judas makes the comment about giving to the poor in John 12. Remember with the oil? Why wasn't this oil that Mary just used to anoint your feet, why wasn't the oil sold for 300 denarii, 300 pieces, 300 denarius, and then the money given to the poor? But we know Judas wasn't interested in the poor, really. He was really saying, why did we waste this because I'm dipping out of the money bag and I need to get a little bit from myself and steal some from myself. That's what Judas was thinking in his mind. It was a sneaky comment, but it does show that one of the ways that Yeshua and his disciples would use their ministry money was to give to the poor. These two passages show that. One way that Yeshua used his ministry money in the money bag, the money purse that they carried around, Judas was in charge of, was to give to the poor. Some of the disciples assumed that Yeshua, when whispering to Judas about the betrayal, Remember, they thought he was telling them either to, one, buy something for the feast, or two, give something to the poor. Now, it's interesting here to note that this probably was not a large bag or container. It was small enough for Judas to carry around while he walked from place to place. I can't help but think about, and I'm not saying that this has to be the size of it, but I remember when I was a little boy, my granddaddy and a lot of men at that time would carry around a change purse. He'd have a wallet, but he'd have a little little purse and he'd carry it, carry it around and he would keep all his change in that purse. And any time there was change, he'd open up his change purse. He said, let me get my change purse out, grandson. And he'd get the correct change out. I think about that when I, when I read this. The reason I don't think it was very big, number one, is because they carried it around with them everywhere that they went. But also in John 6, 4 through 7, it reads, Now the Passover, a Judahite festival, was near. Therefore, when Yeshua looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. Now from this verse, it appears that all the money that they had in the money bag, at least at that time, was 200 denarii. 200 denarii. A denarius by the way, was a small silver Roman coin 
which was equal to about a day's wage for the common laborer of that time. And so at this time, they only had 200 denarii in the money bag or in the change purse. Secondly, in the text in John about the money bag, John 13, we learn this, and I want you to catch this. This is important. It kind of goes along with our opening texts from Proverbs. We learn that from what little money they did carry around with them for the ministry of the Master, greatest preacher to ever walk the earth, from what little money that they had, part of it was used to care for other people, particularly poor people. Now you just meditate on that. They didn't have much, but they used portions of it to give to the poor. Far cry from a lot of what we see going on in this day and time. Yeshua believed in the Holy Scriptures. He believed in Proverbs 14.21 where it says, The one who despises his neighbor sins, but whoever shows kindness to the poor will be happy. And also Proverbs 19.17, Kindness to the poor is a loan to Yahweh, and He will give a reward to the lender. In other words, when you lend or when you give to the poor, it's like you're lending to Yahweh, and Yahweh will bless you. Don't worry about getting paid back from the poor. You bless that poor brother or sister whether they're a believer or not, you bless them. And then Yahweh will take care of you in His time. Hallelujah. It is true that sometimes their money was used to buy food or things that they needed for the feast. We learned that in John 13. When Judas whispered, the disciples said, well, maybe He's told them to go buy something for the feast. So some of their money was used for the feast as well. Maybe not at that time, but at other times. John chapter 4, verses 5 through 8 is our next text. This shows that sometimes they would use money to buy food for themselves. John 4, verse 5, He came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Yeshua, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Yeshua said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So some of their money from the common money bag was used to buy themselves food. Now, let's take a look at the book of Luke chapter 10, a little bit more lengthy passage, and I want to further show that Yeshua was not against support for His ministry, financial. We already saw this in Luke 8 and in Mark 15, but this passage goes a little bit deeper. Luke 10, beginning at 1 through 4. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. And don't greet anyone along the road. Verses 5-9. through nine, Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't be moving from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of Yahweh has come near you. Now, 
Here we have the Master's instructions to 70 other disciples, 70 other students that He sent out to do His work. We're talking spiritual work, work in the ministry. Now I want you to notice how He instructs these 70 not to carry a money bag or a traveling bag. Now it sounds to me like what He's doing here is teaching them that they are to, in their ministry, they are to solely trust and rely upon the provisions that Yahweh will sovereignly send them. And how many know if we do Yahweh's work, He will take care of us? What's the popular passage in Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the what? The kingdom of Yahweh. And all these other things will be added unto you. Look at the sparrows. Look at the lilies of the field. Yahweh takes care of them. How much more will He take care of you, O ye of little faith? Yeshua says. So I think that's what He's teaching these 70 disciples. You go out, don't have anything extra with you, just the clothes on your body and the sandals on your feet, and and you go out and do the work of the ministry, and Yahweh will provide for you sovereignly. He will take care of you. He's teaching them to trust in Yahweh. And I say this because of verses 7 through 8, where it says, If a house receives you peacefully... He tells them, you eat and drink what they offer you because the worker, that's the 70, they're the workers, is worthy of his wages. Now, wages here is material support, food and drink, for spiritual work. He refers to his disciples as workers, but they're not going out working and toiling physically. They're doing spiritual work. They're preaching the kingdom and they're healing the sick. What did he say in Luke 10, 9? Preach the kingdom and heal the sick. So they're doing spiritual work, and they're receiving material support. Remember Luke 10, verse 2. He told them the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Now he's using a natural thing to get a spiritual meaning across. Harvest, it makes you think of going out and harvesting wheat or barley. The harvest is abundant. It's plentiful, but we don't have but just a few workers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into His harvest. He's using the natural to tell them, look, you 70, you're my workers in the ministry, and the harvest of souls is abundant. So you go out, and you work in the ministry, and when a house receives you peacefully, and you're healing their sick, and preaching the kingdom to them, and they offer you food and drink as wages or compensation, you take it. Why? For the worker is worthy of his wages. It's interesting here that Yeshua never instructs, think about this, He never instructs these 70 disciples to ask for material support. Never. He just tells them when they offer it, you take it. But don't go around asking for it. Definitely don't go around. I watched one guy the other day on a video. Sometimes I wonder why I watch these videos because my blood pressure gets real high when I see these guys talking. But he said the Lord showed him the miracle of the $1,000 seed. And he said that if you did, didn't have it, the Lord spoke to him and said, charge it on your credit card. I mean, I can actually send this to you if you don't believe me. You can watch it for yourself. And, you know, this guy's a wolf in sheep's clothing is what he is. But we don't see the disciples doing that, do we? We don't see him asking for money, but receiving food and drink and shelter. This continues to prove that Yeshua ran a low-budget ministry and that certainly did not beg for tithes and offerings. 
As a matter of fact, there's not a single verse of Scripture that I'm aware of that shows that anyone ever paid tithes to Yeshua. And there's a reason for that. More to come later down the road in these lessons. I did find one time where Yeshua asked to stay at a man's house, and this is in Luke 19. You'll remember it as we read. Verses 1 through 5, He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus, short guy, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. (laughs) He was trying to see who Yeshua was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Yeshua since he was about to pass that way. And when Yeshua came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he said, I'm going to your house today, Zacchaeus. Now, of course we know that Yeshua was using this stay at Zacchaeus' house to reach out to him. Because according to Luke 19, verse 9, if you read further, it says, Zacchaeus also is a son of Abraham. And the Master has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's a reference to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, whom Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus didn't believe in the master at that time. But we see that when he did, whatever Yeshua told him, we're not told in Luke 19 what Yeshua spoke to Zacchaeus, but he must have told him a lot. Because after Yeshua was done, Zacchaeus said, it's time to repent. He said, I give half my goods to the poor or something like that. I can't remember. And he said, if I've taken anything wrongfully, I pay back so many times. You can read the text. I'm not quoting it right. It's not remembering it. I think it was four times, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, But you can read that, Luke 19, 1-9, in your Bible study. Yeshua's ministry thus went by this standard. If we follow Yahweh's will, seeking His kingdom and preaching His kingdom, He will supply what we need. His supplying our needs verifies that our ministry is genuine. We are not building something too big to handle. We are simply trusting in His providing hand. That's the thing that Yeshua and His disciples and their ministry went by. Never asking for it. Never begging for it. Just serving Yahweh, seeking the kingdom, preaching the truth, and allowing Yahweh to sovereignly send people to support and to help as they needed. And when the support and the help came, it was not for Yeshua to buy the greatest horse on the market or for the disciples you know, to, to ride around in the chariots or anything. Yahweh supplied their needs. Remember, they used part of their money to help the poor people. This is a big way that you can use your offerings, not just for the sake of the assembly, you know, to keep the lights on and, and all that kind of stuff, but you can use your offerings to help out the poor people that you meet in the world. You find somebody genuinely poor. When I say poor, I'm not talking about lazy that don't work, right? A man don't work, neither shall he eat, Apostle Paul said. I'm talking about there's men that go out and they they work and they sweat and they toil, but they're still poor and they don't have a lot for their family. You find somebody like that or maybe a widow or something like that and you bless them with, with your offerings, your charitable gifts that Yahweh blesses you with. You give some of that money and you bless the poor people And it's a righteous, righteous, and holy thing. We'll get more into that in another sermon in this series. So in closing, let's recap. Number one, Yeshua had no personal home. Foxes and birds did, but He didn't live in a fancy place. Yet He was in the full-time ministry beginning at age 30. From ages 30 to 33, He was in the full-time ministry, itinerant minister, traveling around, preaching the kingdom, healing the sick, raising the dead, but He did not have a personal home. 
Point number two in our closing. Sometimes he and his disciples ate by walking through a neighbor's garden and plucking off what they could find. Luke 6, verse 1. Not waiting for somebody else to feed them, not complaining that they're men of Yahweh and they shouldn't have to go out to a garden and fend for themselves. No, they go out and they take care of themselves. Point number three. Yeshua and his disciples did receive material support. Things like food, clothes, shelter, and even small amounts of money. But they never asked, much less begged for it. Number four, they did have a common purse or money bag, a change purse, that Judas was in charge of, but it didn't hold a lot. And what it did hold was often used for helping the poor, buying themselves food, or buying something that they needed for the feasts. And number five, Yeshua instructed His 70 other disciples to welcome material support for their spiritual service or work, their spiritual work. Yeshua sent out 70 disciples other than the 12 and instructed them not to take a money bag or a traveling bag. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. Heal the sick is what He told them to do. And when you do that, 70 disciples, Yahweh will supply you with peaceful families, homes to stay at, food to eat, water to drink, and shelter all along the way and protection from the enemy. They're sent out like lambs among wolves. But Yahweh, if they do what they're supposed to do, Yahweh sovereignly takes care of those disciples of the Master. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that our ministries today have to be exactly like Yeshua. But I am saying that there are principles in these verses that we went through tonight that every part-time minister or full-time minister or ministry should imitate. There are patterns that any ministry that claims to be of the Master should follow. We've looked at those patterns in these verses. And in the next lesson that I teach on biblical giving, I don't know when that will be, but in that next lesson, we will look at how the apostles, after Yeshua went to heaven, how did the apostles fund their ministry? How did they handle monetary things? As we teach this series on the biblical doctrine of giving. Let's stand and have a word of prayer as we close. Father, I love You and I praise You. Father, I'm so thankful for Your Word. Um, It never fails that every time I look in it and I study it, I glean more out of it. And it's just amazing. I look at the same verse over and over and it's like there's so many different angles that You show me over the years. I'm thankful for the things that I know now that I used to not. And I look forward to the other things that You're going to teach me later on down the road and teach the entire congregation. And uh, Father Yahweh, I'm just so thankful. Father, I I see in in all of these verses, like I see so many times, I see, Yahweh, that You teach us humility. And Father, I pray that, that no matter what ministry we're in, me or anyone else in here, I pray, Father, that we would be humble and we would not seek glory or we would not seek to build something big materially here on the earth. Um, But Father Yahweh, that we would simply seek Your kingdom and Your Word and Your law and preach the Bible. Father Yahweh, help us look to Your Son as an example of how we should run a ministry, Father. Forgive me for where I've done wrong and uh, forgive all of us in any areas, Father, where we've done wrong in this regard. Show us our error and let us be humble to repent and to correct our, our, our wrongs and our sins, Father Yahweh. 
Forgive us for our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Help us to do that. Yahweh, I love you. Thank you for another new moon, another month, the seventh month. It's hard to believe we're already here. It seems like time has flown since the last feast and even since Passover. But Father Yahweh, here we are. And uh, we just ask that you give us a good seventh month, a joyous month. We thank you for this day, this day of joyful noise, shouts, trumpet blasts. Father Yahweh, we glorify you and we praise you uh, for all that you do. I pray these things to you, Yahweh Father, through your Son, Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.